started a series called Capacity, and last week we talked about being pliable and, and being flexible. And today I kind of wanted to take that to the next level because a lot of times we can we can be flexible maybe in our lives, but we're not be, really being stretched. You know what I'm saying? We have the ability to be stretched, but we're just not really uh, stretching. And so today I want to talk about stretching out, and uh, and this is this is part of what we're talking about in in this series about having a capacity. And we talked about a balloon last week that a balloon might be smaller than a water bottle, but be, but it has a greater capacity because of its pliability, because of its flexibility. And what God wants to do in us is he wants to stretch us so our lives can be filled more of him, with more of him so we can be filled with more of his presence and more of his reality. Ephesians chapter 3, one of my favorite scriptures, if you're going to pray scripture... This is a great scripture for you to pray, Ephesians chapter 3, because this is a prayer that Paul prayed. And I think that Paul uh, transformed nations, so he's a, he's a pretty good model, you know what I mean, for us to pray like Paul prayed. And he says this in Ephesians chapter 3, he says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. One translation says, in your inner man. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and how long and how deep and how wide is the love of Christ. And to know that this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the measure of all the fullness of God. That's insane. How many know that we love praying big, big prayers because God is a, is a God that likes to answer things that blow us away. And so we should pray big prayers. Now unto him who is able to do, we love this, immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at, at work within us. So Paul says this when, when he's praying. He says that God would, would do more than we could ask or imagine. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm a pretty creative person and I have a big imagination. Like I get, when we, when we walked in this building, um, you know, a little over a month, about six weeks ago, and I brought, uh, Nate Southers in here and several other people. And we walked in here and some of you guys helped us make the move on that Saturday night in December. And we brought all of our stuff in here and everybody was just kind of looking around and they're like, what are you thinking <laughs> with this building? But I have a good imagination. I can see things sometimes before they come. And, uh, so I've always had this ability to really just imagine things, to dream a little bit. But this scripture is telling us that God can blow away even those that have big imaginations. Now, I think God could do some crazy stuff. Come on, you know what I'm saying? And when I think about the bigness and the vastness of God, and then this prayer that he prays here is that we would have a comprehension of that. Are you with me? So many times we talk about God being mysterious and so many things are hidden. Listen, God isn't a hider. God's a revealer. He's not hiding things from you. He's hiding things for you. And so God has things for you to search out. He wants you to search. He wants you to go on this journey. Why? Because as Paul is praying here, that you would experience, that you would know, that we would come to an understanding together how deep and how wide is the love of God. Well, nobody can comprehend God's love. No, 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 not to its full extent. But he's praying that we would get filled with that fullness. Now, I'm a big guy, you know, 6'2". About 216 pounds right now, working on that. Turn it a little bit smaller. But I have a big capacity. Come on, I can eat a lot. 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? I can drink a lot. I'm a big guy, but God is so much bigger than I am. And so my prayer every day is, God, would you fill me? Would you stretch me? Would you increase my capacity to experience your love? I'm big, but I need to be bigger. I want to be bigger on the inside than I am on the outside so I can experience God who is bigger than I can imagine, whose love is more powerful and, and deeper and wider than I could ever think. What I, my prayer is, is that I would have a capacity and my capacity would be growing so I could experience more of this God that we know. That I wouldn't be satisfied with just the knowledge that I have now because there's so much more of him. I think people so many times think they got God figured out. And then what happens is when we think we got God figured out, our capacity is full, right? And we don't experience any more. Are you guys with me? Now listen, God isn't stretching you to see how much pressure he can put under you before you break. Are you guys with me? God's not stretching. It's like, God's not stretching you to break you. How many of y'all stretched something before? Like you had some plastic on something and you stretch that plastic to break it, right? Well, God isn't stretching you to see how far you can go before you break. He's stretching you to see how much he can fill you up. And so what he wants is he wants us to remain pliable like we talked about last week, but he wants to stretch us. And there's a bad thing about stretching. It's uncomfortable. I want to show you guys this video of uh, this guy real quick stretching. This is Jean-Claude Van Damme. I've had my ups and downs, my fair share of bumpy roads and heavy winds. That's what made me what I am today. Now I stand here before you. What you see is a body crafted to perfection. A pair of legs engineered to defy the laws of physics. And a mindset to master the most epic of splits. So I was going to do this stunt, but I figured you guys wanted to still have a pastor. And so I decided to let you guys see that. Of course, many of us have seen the response to this, of Chuck Norris, you know, being digitally enhanced. This was this actually uh, really happened. I know that there's some skeptical people in the room, but this actually really happened with uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme to be able to stretch like this. And if you've seen his movies, he does these stretches where his legs are like past like the 90 degree thing. Like he's like, I mean, he's like bowing. And his, but how many you know that he wasn't born with that ability? Come on, he didn't start off that way, but he had to continually stretch himself to get to the point where he could handle that kind of flexibility, right? So where he could, where he could do that, whatever that is. I don't know. I don't understand it. It's so, it's so intense what he's doing there. But listen, God isn't stretching us like that to see if he could break us or not, but God is stretching us because he wants us to experience more. And so what happens is we start going through these stretching experiences, right? Right? You guys know what I'm talking about. How many of y'all been stretched in the last couple of months? We start going through these stretching situations, and then we start complaining. Right? And really, whenever we're being stretched and we start complaining, we're really, we're just saying, God, I don't want any more. So don't complain when you're being stretched. Understand that God 
is stretching you so you can have a larger capacity for him and with him. So God isn't stretching you to break you. I know that some of you think that he is, and you, you, you need to change your mindset because that isn't the God that we serve. But stretching is incredibly uncomfortable. You know, there's a word that we've kind of forgot about in church today, in the kingdom of God today, especially in the American church. It's this little word called sacrifice. We've kind of forgot about that. In fact, this generation, one of the, you know, I have lots of friends that are pastors and, and uh, ministers, and we've been doing this for a while. And one, of the, one of the great concerns that we have about this hour is that people in, in, in this age will do anything they can to avoid discomfort, anything they can do to get out of hard work, anything they can do so they don't have to be stretched a little bit. But there's this, this great thing that God has allowed us to do called sacrifice. And whenever we make sacrifice, it's a demonstration of love, isn't it? It's a demonstration of devotion. If I give you something that doesn't cost me anything, then it's worthless. Are you with me? If I went to my wife and I are about to celebrate 10 years of marriage and we're, and we're excited about that. And, uh, come on somebody. Shaba. So we're really excited about that. And so what's going to happen is we're going to get our rings be built, rebuilt. Now, if I was, you know, a loser and I dug through my ashtray to find 50 cents to go to one of those machines that used to be a quarter and before that they were probably a dime. And I put those 50 cents in there and got a little ring out and gave it to her. She would be insulted, right? Because it didn't cost me anything because there was little effort Involved, But it means a lot whenever I'm willing to make sacrifices to demonstrate my love to her. Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Listen, your worship must cost you something. Come on, we're all caught up and comfortable. I just want to go and worship and just kind of chill. And sit down, you know, I don't like to worship there. They're always wanting people to like press in real hard. That's not my personality. The last I checked, you were worshiping God, not worshiping you. Ouch. So there's nothing comfortable about sacrifice. Listen, there's there's nothing comfortable about dying, right? Check this out what Paul says in Galatians chapter two, verse twenty. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I have been crucified with Christ. I don't, how, how many rights do dead people have? None. Then he says this in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 31, I die daily. So Paul lived this life of sacrifice, and we seem to like the only want to be comfortable. Give me a job where I don't have to do anything and make lots of money. And so we've lost this amazing work ethic. And so we don't value what we have because everything in our life is cheap. There's no stretching. So we ask God for an experience and we just kind of tack on this experience with God like a button on our shirt. We just carry it around. Look at my little badge. I had this experience with God. It doesn't transform our life. Because there's no grind in our walk. 
It's just about how comfortable it can be. It's quiet in her. So there's some things that stretch us in life, right? The first thing that I think of things that stretch us is trials and difficulties, right? Isn't that true that trials and difficulties stretch us, right? And uh, they're uncomfortable. We like to complain when we're in the midst of them. Uh, The second thing that, that stretches us is people in our life. People in our life. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. We know that, that we need people in our life that will bring correction to us, that will bring guidance to us, that will hold us accountable. Now, let me say this. You need encouragers in your life. Come on. You need some encouragers in your life. And, and, and I would say this, that if there are negative people in your life, you need to distance themselves, D- distance yourself from them. I don't give any room for negative people. I might love them. I might be in relationship with them, but I keep my distance because I want my life surrounded by life givers. However, you need people in your life. I need people in my life that will challenge me, that will challenge you. People that will be willing to correct you when you do something stupid and not just say, oh, it's okay. It's not a big deal. We all make mistakes and make excuses for you. No, no, no. You need someone that every once in a while will call you on your issues. Now, listen, if that's all they're doing, if your whole relationship with them is corrective, that's a faulty relationship. Come on. Are you with me? That, that becomes where it's just about negativity and people are just complaining. Blah, blah, blah. Listen, you need people that love you, that intend well, but you need people in your life and you need to go to somebody. You need to go to somebody this week and say, listen, you're a friend. I trust you, but I want you to speak into my life. You need to find a brother. You need to find a sister in the Lord and, and tell them, say, listen, if I do something stupid, would you please call me on it? Come on. Instead, we want people that will flatter us and just tell us we're good looking all the time. And, well, you know, you know what I'm saying? We just we don't want anybody to really speak into our life. But we all need that. God uses people. He calls us into fellowship together because other people have a better objective view about us than we do. And so you need those people in your life. So trials and difficulties stretch us. People in our life stretch us. You need people in your life that stretch you. And, and third of all, commitment, diligence, and discipline. These are the things that stretch us when we make a commitment and we follow through with it no matter what. I remember when I used to make a commitment, it was like, I've got to fulfill this, my end of the bargain. Like there's no bailing. Like once you commit, like it's, you're all in. It's like, if you're going to be there on Friday, you're going to be there on Friday. You're not going to call and make excuses. Well, I can't be there and this, that, and the other. And I understand that things happen, but so many times we have far more excuses in our life. I think it's time we get to the point where we stop making excuses and start making arrangements to fulfill our end of the commitment. That we would commit to things. That we would just decide to make commitments because we know it's good for us when we have to do it. And you know, sometimes the labor comes before the love. You know, sometimes the labor comes before, sometimes you don't want to do it. I don't want to do that. That's so hard. I don't think I want. Sometimes you just need to commit it to it, commit to it, and then the love will come. Right? I remember the first time I ever went mountain biking. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I wanted a mountain bike, you know, be on the trails and the wind blowing through my helmet and, and uh, <laughs> you know, with the smile on my face and a little, you know, little unicorn next to me pouncing down the trail, <laughs> you know. I wanted that picture of mountain biking, you know what I'm saying? All peaceful, angels singing, you know, encountering Jesus. And I went mountain biking. 
And it wasn't like that at all. I was like, oh, Lord Jesus. Like, what happened to my lungs? I thought I had lungs inside of there. Like, what are my legs? What, what is going on here? I've got big legs, and they feel like little legs. I don't, do I even have legs? I can't feel my legs. And after about 10 minutes of this, of riding and this experiencing this, is okay, we're done. It was probably a little longer than that. And I remember the next day being like, I remember going home listening. He's like, how was it? I was like, I'm tired. <laughs> so I took a shower. I laid down, didn't move for the rest of the day. And the next day, I was like, oh, man, it was, it was awesome, but it was difficult. And then I developed this love for the grind. Come on, are you with me? But I had to put the work in before the love came. I, I loved the idea. Come on. But I didn't love it when I was sitting on that seat that doesn't have any padding Right? I didn't love it when those bumps were knocking me around. I have to stand up because of how uncomfortable it is. I didn't love that. still don't love that. I loved the idea. And many of us love the idea of commitment, but we don't really like to make the commitment. And so we bail. I'll be there. That's nah, not convenient. Right? Guys, this is the life of faith. That we say yes. And we live out every intention to fulfill everything that we've committed ourselves to. And this stretches us. Last week we shared this story about Elijah and how we talked about how that he told this woman to go out and get all the jars she could and he began to pour out the oil and the, the oil, oil began to fill up all the jars and, and we know that the oil stopped when there stopped being jars and we talked about being flexible and that we've got to increase our capacity. Later on in this story in 1 Kings chapter 17, the same passage that we were in last week, it says sometime later, the woman, the woman that we talked about last week, the widow, the woman's son became sick and he grew worse and worse and then he died. Finally, he died. <laughs> it's like, it's interesting how it worked in there. Finally, he died. Like, wow, he needed to die. Finally, he did. Isn't it interesting that the word finally is there? So the, he must have been bad. So then she said to Elijah, oh, man of God, what have you done to me? Why have you come here to point out my sins and kill my son? <laughs> that was so funny. But Elijah said, give me your son. And he took the body's took the child's body from her arms and carried it up the stairs into the room where he was staying. And he laid the body on his bed. Then Elijah cried out to the Lord, O oh Lord, my God, why have you brought tragedy upon this widow who has opened her home to me, causing her son to die? And then he stretched himself out over the child three times. And cried out to the Lord, O Lord, my God, please let this child's life return to him. And the Lord heard Elijah's prayer. And the life of the child returned, and he revived. Then Elijah brought him down from the upper room and gave him to his mother. He said, look, your son is alive. And the woman told Elijah, now I know for sure that you are a man of God. Isn't it interesting that it took this to convince her after the oil incident? (laughs) Now that I know for sure, you're a man of God. And that the Lord truly speaks through you. Man, how would you like to have that kind of pressure? We see this story, and if you'll allow me to just take a little bit of, use it as an illustration. 
Because we also see this in the life of Elisha in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 3. It says that he did the same thing that his spiritual father, Elijah, did. There was a, a dead child, and he stretched himself out on this child, and we saw revival. We see this uh, in Acts chapter 20 with Paul, and Paul is preaching, and he started preaching really long. I can relate to this. And, he just, and you're like, yeah, uh-huh, amen to that. So he just kept preaching, and there was this guy like sitting up in a window, and he just it says that his preaching went on all night. That's what the scripture says. And so this guy was sitting up like in this window inside this building, and he falls asleep and falls off the window and dies. Now, I, I like to think that Paul is probably a pretty entertaining preacher. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, this is Paul the Apostle. I mean, surely, surely he wasn't putting people to sleep. You know, they didn't even have, like, mobile devices to follow along with them, you know, to follow along with the notes. They didn't have none of that. I mean, is, is Paul preaching? And so I guess it just wasn't good enough. He didn't have the, the gimmicks to keep this kid awake. And so he falls, and everybody freaks out. Oh, this kid's dead. You know, why did you preach so long? And it says that Paul ran, and he threw himself on the boy. And one translation actually says that he actually stretched himself on this boy and raised him to life. So we see this pattern in scripture. We see Jesus stretching himself out for three days over death to bring it to, to bring him to bring life, to bring resurrection life. And we see this all throughout scripture. There's there's this, this connection between stretching and living And I'm telling you, if we are going to see a generation revived, come on, we're going to have to learn the stretch. If we're going to see the dead areas in our life revived, we are going to have to learn to stretch a little. I believe it's time to resurrect some dead stuff in our life. Unfruitful areas, areas in your life that are unfruitful, that they're just kind of dormant, nothing's happening, stretch yourself. And watch life come to those situations. If you leave it alone, nothing will happen. Dysfunctional areas of our life. These might not be dead issues, but they're still issues that need some resurrection. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? It's not necessarily dead, but it's not necessarily alive. It's just kind of there. It's dysfunctional. Maybe your parenting skills So maybe you need to read some books. Read some books. Maybe you need to go to a conference. Maybe you need to ask Jesus what you can do. Physical or emotional health. These are areas that need resurrection. So what do we have to do to make these issues better? We have to work hard. We have to stretch ourselves. Our finances. What are we going to do to bring life to the situation that seems dormant. We got to stretch ourselves. And the next thing is dead or dormant desires. Maybe that you had a heart that longed to do certain things at one point in your life. You were a dreamer. And now that dream is dead. I believe God wants to awaken that dreamer inside of you. God doesn't want you to have a dream. God wants you to be a dreamer. And there's a difference. So I believe God wants to awaken that dreamer inside of you. 
to revive that dreamer inside of you. The things that he placed in your heart maybe years ago, maybe months ago, that you've just allowed to grow dormant. God wants you to stretch yourself and activate these dead issues in your life. Are you with me? So I want to talk about five ways that you can stretch yourself. These, these will apply differently uh, to you and I probably in, in some measure. But basically what you're doing, see, we, 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 we're in the kingdom, and in the kingdom there's this principle called sowing and reaping. And basically that means you give, you get. You plant, you reap, right? Listen, in the kingdom, th- this is like, it doesn't change. Like it always happens. You put something in the ground, something's going to come up. I mean, it is absolutely true. You sow financially, you reap financially. You don't sow, you don't reap. It's just the way it works. Now, every once in a while, God, by his goodness, and Scripture says this, that we will reap sometimes where we have not sown. But listen, this is, this is, that is grace. That is not promise. Are you with me? So we've got we've to develop this mentality in our life that knows that when I give, something's going to come back. Now, we don't always give so that it comes back because we give with ravished hearts. But listen, we are a people that need to learn this principle, start functioning in it. When you give energy, listen, some people are like, man, I just don't have any time. I just don't have any energy. When you devote time and energy to what God is calling you to do, he will increase the rest of it. He will make you fruitful. He will make your emotional life more fruitful. Come on, are you with me? If you go to the gym, you're going to see results, right? You eat bacon, 15 slabs of bacon every morning, and lunch and dinner, you're, you're going to sow. I mean, you're going to reap some of that, right? Right? Come on. Dang it. Sometimes we wish those laws weren't in effect, but with bacon, it seems to always work. <laughs> Speak from experience. Speak from experience. <laughs> so let's sow into your development in order to increase your capacity. Are you guys ready? The first thing that you can do, oh, this is, a, this is kind of a bad word. The first thing you can do is fast. Oh, oh. dang it. Really want to go there. Fast. Man, I just, I'm so discouraged. I just don't know what to do. Fast. My relationship with my wife is not good. Fast. I hate my job. Fast. Don't fast your job. (laughs) Maybe you need to fast your job. But you would take a few days. Maybe you'll fast everything. Maybe you'll fast three meals a day for three days. Maybe you'll fast seven meals a day for seven days. Maybe you'll do 40 days. I would suggest you drink water at least during that time. Unless Jesus tells you to do it like he did it. Now, at this point, we're not launching a church-wide fast. We will do that. Not at this point, because I'm going on a cruise with my wife in two weeks, and I'd have to bail on that. No, my priorities. Fasting is such a, a difficult thing. I've, I've done some fasts in my life, and it's hard, man. And it usually, like, I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm going to fast seven days. I'm not going to eat anything. I'm going to have chicken broth and water. That's it. And like about day three, I'm like, Lord Jesus, you know, I need like a peanut or something. You know what I mean? Like, I need a snack, Lord. Come on. You know what I'm saying? But it's stretching me and it's increasing because what happens when we fast is it increases. It, although we suffer 
carnally inside, we just, we open up. God just reveals himself to us in powerful ways. So, you know, Jesus never said, if you fast. He said, when you fast. So fasting needs to be a part of our life. Maybe you'll fast every Tuesday. Maybe you'll fast twice a year. You must ingrain it into our personal culture to fast. Because the question really on the fast is, how much do I really want to grow? Am I good where I'm at or do I want to grow? And I just find myself spiritually, I'm just kind of at hitting a wall. Like I'm not growing. I'm reading my Bible. I'm praying. Nothing's happening. Have you thought about fasting? <laughs> no. <laughs> right? What, what? What did you say? Sorry, I got to go now. <laughs> Number two, increase your private time with Jesus. Well, I don't have a private time with Jesus. Well, increase it. Right? Can I have a sip of that? Increase your private time with Jesus. You want to go where you've never been? Then you've got to do what you've never done. If it's 10 minutes, make it 15 minutes. Come on. It might not be spinning, it might not be reading 30 scriptures a night. It might be reading one scripture for 30 minutes. Maybe you'll let the word read you for a change. So increase your private time with Jesus. Number three, die to something. Die to something. Because sometimes we want, we have these things in our life, these little hobbies, these little things that we create, and they're not fruitful. They're not doing anything. We're the only one that benefits by it. It causes frustration because I know for me, man, I'm like a project guy. Like I always want to have something like in front of me. Sometimes we just need to die to some things in our life and just say, I'm just not going to do it anymore. I'm just not going to do it anymore. I'm going to give it up because I want to do more for God because I want to experience more of God. So I'm just going to die to something. It might be a hobby. It might be an attitude. Oh. It might be something sinful that you need to die to that's hindering you from loving God more. It's not changing God's love, God's affections for you, but it's changing yours towards God. Maybe it's a website you're visiting. Maybe it's frustration. Oh, it's so frustrating. I know for me, I need a dot of frustration. Nothing's more frustrating than being frustrated. Right? If I was going to ask you the question, what are you living for? It can oftentimes be answered by the question, what are you dying to? Are you dying to self? Are you dying? I know this is a tough one today, guys, but what are you dying to? What are you sacrificing? What are you giving up? Say, so, man, I'm not going to do that anymore because I want to be a better dad. Because I want to be a better husband. You might not even be married, but you know you want to be a better husband. So right now you're going to die to some things. Thought of something. Number four, give of yourself. By that we're talking about serving. You know, as a church, we really want to increase our capacity 
We want to increase the things that we're doing. We're growing a little bit here. Uh, in the last month, we're seeing God do some things. We're wanting to add like a Wednesday night program. Well, we've got to have people. We've had an incredible team that, that has come along. And, you know, uh, two months ago, the only people that were coming to our church were people that were on our team. Everybody was working. And, uh, you know, we've, we've started praying, uh, Leslie and I did a year and a half ago, that God would send forth laborers. And really in the kingdom, you're either harvest or you're a harvester. And so we're all laborers in the kingdom of God. We all are. We all, we all have to serve. We all have to do something for God. And some of it, it might be attached to our occupation, and some of us, it might not be. But we're all called to serve. We're all called to give. And we need laborers. And so we pray this. God, send forth the laborers. This is what Jesus said. The harvest is plentiful. Man, we can, we can sit in here and pray for the lost all day long. But, but if we, all we do is sit in here and pray, the harvest won't be taken in. But whenever we come in and we pray and we get the heart of Jesus through prayer, then we say, yes, God, I will answer the call. I will be a laborer. So we need laborers. We need people. Who's going who's gonna to watch the baby so the friend that you invited could come in and experience Jesus? Rather than you just coming in and experiencing Jesus all the time, who's gonna who's gonna who's gonna help uh, Kaylin watch watch the watch the children in the in the nursery so she can come to service once a month? Who's gonna give? What are you gonna give? Who's gonna serve? Who's gonna join up with this uh, team that we're about to launch here in a few weeks? I'm gonna go out and minister to college students on Wednesday nights. Who's 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 gonna do that? Who's gonna serve? Who's gonna jump in and say yes to that? Who's going to jump in and, and work media so Josh could take a break or work sound so Eli can take a break? Who's going to do that? Who's going to serve? What are, what are you going to give? It's really not a whole lot. Or Dalton. Who's going to put more chairs together? <laughs> right? Dalton put all these chairs together. I think I put like three together. Because we're going we're gonna to need some more chairs pretty soon. Come on, somebody. But we gotta have laborers. We gotta have we gotta have laborers. We got we gotta be able to stretch our capacity. We can't just can't just be Josh Leslie, you know, and, and a few others that come in here every week. And we've got to have more more workers. If if we're gonna bring in the harvest, we've got to have more workers. What happens if they come in? And we don't have more workers. Oh my gosh, what's gonna happen? We're gonna fall apart. Listen, faith without works is dead. So you can have faith, you can build your faith, but, but without works, it's dead. It's still a dormant thing. It's something that's not functioning. Your faith is dead. So you've got to put some action to this thing, this faith that you claim. Got quiet. Maybe we'll watch children for one week a month. And you don't want to do it, but you do it anyway because you love Jesus and you want to serve. Sometimes the labor comes before the love. Maybe you'll get here early on a Sunday morning and clean up the parking lot because when you drove up today, you're like, dang, there's trash over there. Oh, your misery may be your ministry. Give it yourself. Serve. In your seat back in front of you, there's some little forms that says get in the flow. Those are it's full of some areas. You can also go to our website, overflow.dfw.com forward slash get in the flow, and you can register. It's the same form that you got in front of your seat. You say, man, I want to serve here. Click. I want to be in the worship team. Click. Submit. Or fill it out old school with a pen. <laughs> really old school. So you can fast. Increase your private time with Jesus. Die to something. Give it yourself. Serve. And it, listen, it might be it might be totally disconnected from the church. 
It might be going out and giving homeless people macaroni and cheese or making some sandwiches and going giving it to a homeless man. Whatever it is, serve. Serve somebody. Be like Jesus. Love what Jesus said. He said, The Son of Man didn't come to serve, but to be didn't come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Listen, living is found in giving. Living is found in giving. Until you learn to give a little, you're not gonna you're not gonna learn to live a little. We've got to give of ourselves. And number five, and I'm gonna spend a lot of time on this because it's very uncomfortable for me, is give financially. Man, I'll tell you what, you, you start investing your money in something, that'll stretch you in a hurry. Jesus said this, Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, it says, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I can tell you where your treasure is by looking at your bank account. Right? You can tell where your treasure is by looking at your bank account. So give financially. Give some money away. Bless somebody. I know for us, we, we've done that before in our lives. Just decide to start blessing somebody. Might be totally disconnected to the church, maybe in the church. I do know that our, that our uh, that for us, we've, you know, we're about 97%, I think, as of last night with our building project and getting things done. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. But we still need some money to come in. And then we got to pay the bills. Come on. Are you with me? And so partner, you know, put put some put your money where your mouth is. Or where your butt is. <laughs> Come on. All right, there you go. That'll work too. All right. Everybody all right? I know those are real practical. It's not really my thing. All right. Matthew chapter 3. I'm going to end with this little illustration here. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal him. Talking about this man that had a messed up hand. On the Sabbath. And Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, get up here in front of everybody. And so Jesus asked him, he said, which is lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. And he looked around them at them in anger. Wow. Whoa, Jesus. Anger. I thought Jesus just came to make me comfortable. No. He came to make you capable. Come on. That was free. All right. I just came to me. Inflexible. All right. Looked around them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. The thing that I want to focus on in this story is this man. We could go totally on to the the whole law thing here and talking about keeping God locked up in a system. We could also talk about what Jesus talked about is would it be evil? I believe that Jesus knew what Edmund Burke said, that all that is necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. I believe Jesus was saying that way before Edmund Burke got that statement. I believe that Jesus was making a statement saying, listen, if I don't do this, then I'm doing something evil because here's a need and I need to meet it. So he speaks to this man that has a messed up hand, a withered hand, a hand that could not function. And he told him to stretch forth his hand. What does that even mean to a man that has a hand that has never been stretched before? 
I mean, know that he had to respond to what Jesus was calling him to. He had never stretched his hand before, but he had to stretch it out in order to experience the life. And I believe that this is the same in our life, that we will have to stretch ourselves, that we will have to give in order to 